Father God, we thank you so much for your, your presence, your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord, that we encounter, that we enjoy every day of our lives. But Lord, we especially thank you for this particular day, this particular hour, because Lord, we, we look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to receiving from you, Lord God. And we pray that our ears are ready to receive and are open. Father, I thank you for what you have in store. Thank you for the move of the Holy Ghost. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, where would we be? And so thank you, Lord. We, we welcome the Holy Spirit today to minister, to speak, to change, to heal, to, to deliver. Whatever the agenda is today, Father God, I thank you because it is your agenda, not ours. And so, Father, we thank you as we come expecting to receive from you today. And for this, we always give you glory and, and praise and honor. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. A man was planning a hunting trip with his buddies. Every year they get together to, you know, go duck hunting, something that they enjoy doing. And so, in order to impress his friend, this one particular man decided to buy the most expensive hunting dog. Not only that, but he also sent his hunting dog to a very unique and expensive training school. So, after a while... Finally, the day came for them to go on their hunting trip. So the three guys got together, got into the pickup truck along with the hunting dog. They drove to the location. They found their spot, and there they waited for the ducks to fly. A short while later, a duck came flying overhead. The man with the hunting dog grabs his shotgun, stands up, takes aim, pow, shoots the duck. And the dog gets up immediately. And then something remarkable happens. He runs after the duck on top of the water. Snatches the duck, runs on top of the water back, drops the duck in front of his master. Another duck comes flying over. The, the man with the hunting dog grabs his shotgun, stands up, takes aim, pow, shoots another duck. Doug comes crashing down the water. And this hunting dog gets up, runs on top of the water, snatches the duck and runs back on top of the water, bringing the duck before his master. Another duck comes flying overhead. The man with the hunting dog gets up with his shotgun, takes aim, pow, shoots that duck down. The duck comes crashing down the water and the dog jumps up, Runs on top of the water, retrieves the duck, runs back on top of the water, and brings the duck before the master. Now, this went on all day. And so you can imagine that this man was feeling pretty good about himself. Because thinking that he made a, a good impression on his friends, he turned to his buddies and says, Hey, did you notice anything unique about my dog? And one of his buddies turned to him and says, Yeah. Your dog doesn't know how to swim. <laughs> Some people miss the supernatural even when it's right in front of them. Amen. So many of us have missed the supernatural. Because our human limited perspective 
and our human limited capacities is limited only to the natural. We are born again believers. That's a good thing. We are blood bought, blood washed by the blood of Jesus. But just having a salvation experience falls short of how God intends it for us to live. I believe that we're living below the standard that God wants us to live. And there are so many of us who miss the supernatural because, as a matter of fact, there are many of us who never experienced the supernatural. Because we've been focused and because we've been relying upon the natural physical realm that we've often missed the supernatural. And the saints, this ought not to be. Many of us have blocked, even delayed the supernatural from operating in our lives because we've limited ourselves to the natural realm. Amen. So the title of this message is, as you can probably imagine, don't miss the supernatural. This morning, I want to talk to you about three basic things about this subject. One, we're going to take a look at what is the supernatural. The second thing we're going to look at is how we have access to the supernatural. And then the third thing, if time permits us, we'll take a look at how we can experience the supernatural every day of our lives. Do you believe that's possible? Yes, sir. Amen. We're going to take a look at that. So when we talk about the supernatural, all kinds of thoughts run in people's minds. There are some who think about the supernatural as though it's something that was evil and demonic, and so therefore they're afraid of it. There are others who think about the supernatural and don't even believe in it. And then there are still others who believe, who, who believe in the supernatural, but yet they don't believe it's for them today. Then there are those who believe in the supernatural, want it, but don't know how to get it. But when we talk about the supernatural, we're talking about something that is above or beyond what is natural. It is something that cannot be explained in the natural sense. It is something that, that is beyond the reach of science and beyond the reach of human explanation. When I talk about the supernatural, I'm talking about a, a realm that God operates in. I'm talking about a, a supernatural realm, a realm where God's unlimited power and God's unlimited possibilities are in operation. That's the kind of supernatural that I'm talking about. I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Because in the world that we live in today, it is governed by natural laws. Amen? <clears throat> These are natural laws that exist because God was the one that created it. In order to bring order to this world. In order to bring order into this universe and to govern our universe. In Genesis chapter 1, we read in verse 1 where God created the heavens and the earth. Then in verse 2, we see what the condition was upon this earth. And it's described as the earth being without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. That means that our universe or our earth, our world was once dark, empty and was, an, was a desolate wasteland. That was the condition of this world. But then God said, let there be light. And the world came to life. Amen. Yes. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 33. Because when God created the heavens and the earth, he not only created life, 
But he also created the natural laws in order to bring order and govern in this world. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 25. And I'll read that, I want to read that to you from the New Living Translation. Okay, well, the Amplified Version. It says, Thus says the Lord, if my covenant with my... With, I can't read that. Covenant with day and night does not stand. And if I have not appointed the ordinance of the heavens and the earth, which is the whole world or nature. But let me read that to you from the New Living Translation. It says this, But this is what the Lord says. I will no more reject my people... Then I will change my laws that govern night and day and earth and sky. That's why we have the four seasons. That's why we have night and day. That's why the sun is, is placed exactly where it's supposed to be. Because God was the one that created it and brought order into our world. So the world works by natural laws. That's why we have the laws of gravity. That's why we have the laws of nature. Everything in this universe is controlled by these laws. And it has to obey these natural laws. Now, I want, you to, I want to show you something. Go to Luke chapter 8. Because that's the way the world works. But listen to this. While you turn into Luke chapter 8. When God wants to operate in the supernatural. In a world that is governed by natural laws that he himself created. God has to overrule his own natural laws in order to operate in the supernatural. Did you get that? Okay, look at Luke chapter 8. In verse 22 it says this. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat, he meaning Jesus, with his disciples. And he said to them, Let's, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Verse 23. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down of the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. In other words, the storm was so great, the waves were so huge that it came crashing into the boat, filling the boat with water, putting the disciples in danger. Now you may say, grave danger? And I would say, is there any other kind? Excuse me, I'm just quoting from a scene from, a, what is it, a, a, a few good men? That's all right. You guys can't handle the truth anyway. Okay, let me just move right along. And so they were in great danger. And so in verse 24 it says this, And they came to him and woke him up and said, Master, Master, we are perishing. We're going to die. And then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. I like what the message translation says. It says, and he told the wind silence and the waves to quiet down. And they did it. So we see an example of Jesus overruling the natural laws of nature. So, so that he can operate the supernatural in order to save his disciples. Know that. The laws of nature or the natural laws that govern our world has to bow down and obey the supernatural laws of God. It does have, doesn't have a choice. And you know something? God is doing that every day. Did, did you hear what I just said? Yes, sir. God is doing that every day. So let's continue. So we have to understand that there are two laws that exist. I mean, two realms that exist. There's the supernatural realm, and then there's the natural, physical realm, which you and I live in. Go to Jeremiah chapter 32. 
Everything in the, net, in the supernatural realm is possible. They're possible things. It, they're possibilities. And everything in the supernatural realm can be sought after. Because the supernatural realm is where God is a God that can do anything. Amen. In Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17, listen to what Jeremiah says. He says, Ah, Lord, behold, you have made the heavens and you made the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. He says, there is nothing too hard for you. Do you know that there's nothing impossible for God? Do you know that there's nothing that is overwhelming to God? Do you know that there's nothing that's too challenging for God? Because nothing is difficult for Him. Jesus says in Luke chapter 18 verse 27 that the things that are possible to men are possible with God. Come on now. In the new supernatural there's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's something else that we need to know about the supernatural. And that is that the supernatural is for today. That should be good news for many of us. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Whatever Jesus did yesterday, he's doing today. And the reason for that, because in verse 8 it says that Jesus Christ is the same. We can stop right there. He never changes. Jesus is unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What Jesus did yesterday, he does today. That means even his supernatural powers are unchangeable. It's the same. What he did last year, two years ago, five years ago, or 2,000 years ago, he's still doing today. And he will continue to do forever. Amen? Amen. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. That means his supernatural power is constantly ongoing and unchanging. Glory to God. And you know, and the wonderful news about that is that God wants to release that supernatural power into our lives today. Not tomorrow, today. Understand that in the supernatural, there's what they call a turnaround or, or, or an unlimited turnaround. Now, you may ask yourself, well, what is that? What is an unlimited turnaround? Well, an unlimited turnaround is a supernatural turnaround. It's where God would take something that is negative and reverse it to positive results. Yes. Amen. Amen. Do you hear that? Yes, Go to 2 Kings chapter 7. Let me show you an example. A turnaround is an abrupt or an unexpected change. It is a divine encounter where God will step in, take what is negative in your life, and turn it into something that is positive. Amen. In 2 Kings chapter 7, we read the story about the four lepers. Now, before we get into this, let me just give you a little background. During this time, the kingdom of, or the nation of Israel was a divided country, a divided nation. After David died, they divided into two separate kingdoms. You had your northern kingdom, which is made up of ten of the twelve tribes. And their capital is now Samaria where you have the other nation of Israel, or the southern kingdom, which is made up of Judah and Benjamin, the two remaining tribes. These are the southern kingdom, and their capital is Jerusalem. Well, in this situation here, during this time, we're looking at the northern kingdom, whose capital is Samaria. And the city of Samaria was being surrounded and besieged by the enemy, the Arameans. 
And they blocked everything. Nothing can come in and nothing can go out. That means all of the resources have stopped coming in. And because of that, they suffered a very severe famine. It was so bad, if you, if you read the history, that, uh, that they were actually selling goat's head, which is considered unclean. But, you know, when you're starving, you'll eat anything. But they were selling goat's head. Now, I know some countries, goat's head is a delicacy. But in that time, for the Jews, according to their standard, it was considered unclean. But, and of course, they were selling it for a high price. And, you, and just to, you know, if you think that thing that it's that bad, it gets even worse because they were also selling, and please forgive me, I don't want to sound gross, but they were, they were selling um, bird excrement and selling them by the pint for a large sum of money. And if things didn't even get worse, there were even some incidents of cannibalism. So just to give you a picture of the desperation and the negative situation that these people were going through. Then comes these four lepers who were outside the city gates. Now the reason why they were outside the city gates is because they were lepers. They were not allowed to go into the city. And so they were in far dire straits because not only were they lepers, and of course they couldn't get anything to eat except by donations or by charity. That's how they lived. But now there was nothing for them. And so we pick up in verse 3, and these four lepers would just sit around and talk to each other and say this. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. And they said, why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out to surrender to the Aramean army. And if they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would die anyway. So in verse 5, so at twilight, which is the evening, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. Now, before we go any further, now we're going to look at an example how God can take something negative and turn it around to something positive. In verse 6, this is what happened. This is the reason why the camp was empty. Verse 6 says, For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. Amen. Now, do you think that happened by chance? By coincidence? No, what God did was cause the enemy to hear something that wasn't there. Amen. What the enemy heard was the sound of thousands of chariots, thousands of horses, and thousands of foot soldiers. And in their mind, they're thinking, they come to attack us. These are the Hittites and the Egyptians that Israel had hired to come against us. And in a state of panic, they left everything behind. But when they left everything behind, what they didn't realize, that they were providing provisions for the people who were suffering in the famine. 
And so the, the story goes where the lepers, they first come across this. And when they reach the edge of the camp and realize that there was nobody there, they began to go into the camps, into each tent, and began to find food, drink, and even silver and gold. And because there was so much, they felt so bad that they were taking it for themselves, they decided, you know what, let's spread this good news to the people of Samaria. So they go to the gates, front gates of Samaria, tells the gatekeeper what has happened. They tell the king, and the king opens the door, the people come out and begin to enjoy the spoils that God supernaturally orchestrated for them. You want to talk about turning a negative situation into a positive result? That's what God does. That is what we find in the supernatural. A supernatural turnaround that comes to change the negative things in your life so they can enjoy positive results. Paul says in Romans 8.28 that God will work all things for our good to those that love him. The all things that Paul talks about also includes the trials, the temptations, and all the negative things in your life. And God is able to work together all those things and turn into something positive. Are you with me this morning? It reminds me of something a preacher once said, and it's so powerful. He said this, always remember when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Let me say that again. When you are down to nothing, God is up to something. Glory to God. <clears throat> so we see an example with those who had nothing ended up with an abundance. Supernaturally. Glory to God. Joseph is a classic example of how God can turn the greatest adversity in life into a promotion. You know the story where he was sold into slavery as a teenager. And, um, and if things didn't get any worse, he went from slavery to prison. He went from being a slave to an inmate. But one day, Pharaoh had a dream. But it wasn't an ordinary dream. You see, to Pharaoh, it was a nightmare. It was a troubling nightmare that kept him up at night. But to Joseph, unbeknownst to him was the beginning of a supernatural turnaround that was about to come on his life. Now, this is what I want you to look at. You have Joseph. When Pharaoh got up and found out that there was someone in prison that knew how to interpret dreams, he had him summoned. Now, Joseph that morning woke up in his prison cell as an inmate. When he left that prison cell... By the end of the day, he was the prime minister of Egypt. Glory to God. Listen, understand that Joseph endured disappointments, difficulties, and frustrations for 13 years. But in a matter of 24 hours, he went from being an insignificant forgotten inmate to the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. You want to talk about turning a negative into a positive? You want to talk about turning something supernatural in your life? This is what God does. Amen. This is what He does. Yes, sir. And if He can do it for them, why can't He not do it for us? Amen. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and always forever. Glory to God. God is such a good God. God can turn your demotion into a promotion. 
God can take your lack into an abundance. God can take your negative into something positive. Come on now. And the scriptures are filled. We just don't have time to get into it. But the scriptures are filled with supernatural turnaround in people's lives. Well, I'm talking about a realm of unlimited power and unlimited possibilities. And let me tell you something, my friend. You and I are in the supernatural realm. Yes, sir. We live in the supernatural whether we realize it or not. How many of you know William Randolph Hearst? Have you ever heard of him? Some of us. Have. He was a very wealthy businessman. Uh, he was also a politician and he was also a big newspaper publisher. But he, what he was known for was, was his extensive collection of art. It was said that his mansion was like a museum because when you walk in every room, there was priceless artwork throughout his whole house. Well, there was one particular art piece that he needed to have. And so he got his people together and said, listen, I need to have this art piece. So he sent these people out and they went and scoured the whole world looking for this one particular art piece that he was willing to pay millions for. But they couldn't find it. So they come back and say, listen, Mr. Hurst, we, we can't find it. It can't be found. There's no way to be found. But Mr. Hurst, you know, Mr. Hurst wouldn't have none of that. He said, no, you, you don't understand. I got to have it. I need to have it. So go back out there and look for it. So they went out looking for it and unfortunately couldn't find it. One day one of his people was happened, happened to be down in the basement going over some, some things in his mansion. And lo and behold, what do you think he found? He found that art piece. You see, Mr. Hurst was looking all over the world, looking for this one particular piece. And he had it all along. There are many Christians who are looking for the supernatural and looking in all the wrong places. Not realizing that the supernatural is right in front of them. They just don't know it. And we, my friends, are in the supernatural. I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read a portion of Paul's prayer. And I want you to start in verse 17. I'm going to skip down to verse 17. And it's something interesting that Paul prayed because Paul saw something that the Ephesian church lacked. He said this. Verse 17. For I always, in the Amplified Version, excuse me. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Of insight into the mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Now verse 18, this is what I want you to see. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, the King James Version says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know and understand what is the hope of the calling and how rich is his glorious inheritance of the saints or his set apart ones. Now let me stop there. Know that Paul was writing to believers, Christians. And he made this statement that their eyes of their understanding become enlightened. So that they can see and know the hope of their calling and the riches of his glorious inheritance. By Paul making that statement tells me one thing. That it is possible to believe and yet still be blind. It is possible to believe and still yet not see clearly. When Paul wrote this letter, Paul recognized that the Egyptian, uh, the Ephesian church did not have a clear perspective of God's supernatural power. 
Because he goes on to the next verse, in verse 19, he says that your eyes of understanding be enlightened so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of his power. That is where? In us and for us. Now, he talked about an immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of his power. What power do you suppose he was talking about? He was talking about that supernatural power. Because he goes on in the next verse describing this power. This power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we know that that is not a natural power. That is a supernatural power. But what I want you to see is that he was talking about us knowing and understanding by opening up our eyes of understanding, realizing that we have this supernatural power working in us and working for us. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this, Now to him who was able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power or that dunamis power, that miraculous power, that force that is working in us. I say that is working in us. I'm talking about a supernatural power of God that is working in us and for us. Because we are in this realm of the supernatural. Go with me to John chapter 3. Whether you realize this or not, but as Christians, you are supernatural beings. Do you believe that? In John chapter 3, we read the story where Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, who came to Jesus by night, telling him that, Lord, I know that you're a man that comes from God because of all the wonderful things that you've done. But then Jesus responds to him in verse 3 saying this, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus looks at him in verse 4 and says, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, it's obvious that Nicodemus is not on the same spiritual level as Jesus. Nicodemus was thinking from a natural perspective. He was thinking that Jesus was talking about a natural birth, but Jesus was talking about something that is spiritual, something that is supernatural, and that is our birth. Because you see, listen, to be born again is not a natural experience. To be born again is a spiritual and supernatural experience. When you and I become born again, a transformation takes place on the inside that cannot occur by natural means. It can only occur by supernatural means. Okay? When God comes into our hearts through the Lord Jesus Christ, He changes the heart of a sinner and makes him a child of God. That is not a natural experience. That is a supernatural experience. Do you, do you agree with that? Yes. Go to John chapter 1. Jesus makes this very clear. John chapter 1 and verse 12. He said, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Then in verse 13 he says, Who were born not of blood, which is by natural means, nor the will of the flesh, which is also by natural means, nor by the will of man, again, by natural means. But what does he say? Born of God, who is supernatural. 
I'm talking about when a person becomes born again, he becomes a supernatural being because his father is supernatural. We were born as a believer, as a child of God, because we have a supernatural father who made all this happen, who made all this happen for us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And because of that, listen to me, because we are now children of God, who belongs to a supernatural father, that means that God had set us up nicely for us to receive and to operate in the supernatural. Yes, he set us up good because now we're in a position to operate in the supernatural. Are you, are you with me? Yes, sir. That means we have access to the supernatural experience every day of our lives. Glory now the question is this. We know that we are supernatural beings. And we know now that we have access to the supernatural because of the fact that we have a supernatural father. We have relation. We have blood relations with our father, making us supernatural beings. So the question is, how do we experience the supernatural every day of our lives? Go to Matthew chapter 14. There are three things that are keys to experiencing and living in the supernatural And the first is a very simple concept. It's called living by faith. You see, the normal Christian life is to live a life in the supernatural. And walking by faith is a supernatural lifestyle. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You can also say, for we walk by the supernatural, not the natural. So... In Matthew chapter 14, it says this. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, meaning Jesus, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you in the water or on the water. And then Jesus says in verse 29, come. Now, pay very close attention to what I'm saying here. Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk and experience the supernatural. You can say that he walked in the supernatural simply because he stepped out of the boat. He was the only man beside Jesus to ever walk on water. Uh, Of course, the dog also that we talked about earlier today. (laughs) So, understand that in Luke, if you remember the story in Luke chapter 5, where these two men brought their friends who was paralyzed on a stretcher to be healed. And because there were so many people there, they couldn't get to Jesus, so they decided to go by the roof. And they lowered him down. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 5 verse 20 that when he saw their faith, he immediately forgave his sins. He not only forgave them, but he also healed them of the paralysis. So this man who walked in there being carried on a stretcher, walked out with a stretcher under his arm. The very same stretcher that carried him. Why? Because Jesus saw something in him. He saw faith. And you see... You cannot see something, you cannot see faith if faith is not active. 
And faith is not some theory. Faith is an action. And Jesus saw their action because of their demonstration of faith. And it was the reason why God was able to do supernatural things in that person's life. That's why he was able to walk out healed and walking like he never has before. But what I want you to look at is go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's look at an example real quick. Oh my goodness, I've got to hurry up. Okay, John says I was good. Okay. See, that's faith. In Luke chapter, in 1 Kings chapter 17, we read the story where there was a great famine in the land. And God told Elijah, Elijah to go by the brook Cherith. And there he says, I commanded the ravens to sustain you. Elijah obeyed God because he believed what God said. And he went by the brook Cherith, and there he waited for the ravens to come. And the Bible says that the ravens, in verse 6, came in the morning and in the evening with bread and meat. Just like God said he would. And then when the brook dried up, God says, I want you to go to Zarephath, where there I commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So, Elijah got up, believed what God said, and he obeyed God's word. And he went to Zarephath. So he goes to Zarephath and he sees the widow woman. And he tells the widow woman, woman, I want you to go and make me some cake. But the widow woman says, I can't make you cake because I don't have enough to make. All I have is just a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and just a couple of sticks to make a final meal for me and my son so that we can die. Now, for many of us, that would be a very discouraging thing. A very discouraging moment. I said, Lord, you said in your word. How many of you have said that prayer? Yes, sir. Lord, you said in your word that you're going to do this and it's not happening. When Elijah saw the widow woman and asked that, he sustain, that she sustain him, she said, I have nothing to sustain you with. All she had was a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour, and just two sticks. But because Elijah believed what God said, he knew what God told him. God says, this woman is going to sustain me. So I'm not going to accept anything that she says. So he insisted that she go out and make him a cake. He also told him, told her what God had promised. He said that your wheat will not fail and your flour will not waste or your, your oil will not waste until the rains come. That was a promise that God made to Elijah. And Elijah felt the need to say the same thing to the widow woman. And we pick up in verse 15 where it says this. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her son continued to eat for how long? For many days. I want you to say this with me. Just a little bit of oil. Just a little bit of wheat. And just a couple of sticks. And they were able to eat for many days. Look at verse 16. And there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord promised through Elijah. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Glory to God. See, Peter, Elijah, and the widow woman stepped out in faith. And all three were able to experience the supernatural. 
Now, I'm going to say something to you this morning that may ruffle some feathers. But if it's going to help you, then so be it. But you'll never experience the supernatural if you still choose to remain in your place of comfort. Should I say that again? You will never experience the supernatural if you still choose to remain in your place of comfort. When God tells us to do something, I know that being obedient to faith is a scary thing sometimes. But being in a comfort zone is not where God wants you to be and remain. You've got to step out in faith to step into the supernatural. It doesn't work any other way. You've got to move first so that God can supernaturally move next. And we saw that example with Peter and with Elijah. God says, go to Zarephath, and there I command a widow woman to sustain you. And when he got there, he saw the widow woman who had nothing to sustain him with. But yet he believed what God said, and he acted in faith, and he persisted. You know, sometimes we have to be persistent in his word. We've got to be persistent in our faith. Because things may not appear to be what you want it to be. But if you know what God said, expect it to happen. Amen. Because when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Amen. This is the supernatural lifestyle that God has called us to. Now, the second thing is to be a doer of the word. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 22. Listen, you have to be a doer of the word if you expect to operate in the supernatural. If Elijah did not obey God, he would not have experienced the supernatural. If Peter remained in the boat, he would never have walked on water. We have to understand that the word of God has to be more than just a feel-good session. The word of God should be more than just a hear-good session. James 1 and verse 22 says this, But be doers of the word, and hearers only, Deceiving your own selves. The word of God cannot have supernatural effect in our lives if we're not doing what the word says. Look at verse 25. And I'll read this too from the Amplified Version. And I've got to really rush here. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it, and perseveres in looking into, into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. And he shall be blessed in all his doings or his life of obedience. You know, in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that, that if we obey God's word, he says that we will, he will bless us in whatever we do or we will prosper in whatever we do. Now, I don't mind financial prosperity. Do you? But if I had a choice to prosper supernaturally over financially, I'd rather prosper supernaturally. Because in the supernatural realm, there are unlimited possibilities. Unlimited possibilities. Because I know that all of my needs will be met supernaturally. Amen. Oh my goodness, look at the time. The third thing, and it's the key thing, it's the most very vital element that will allow us to experience the supernatural. And that is simply this. When we allow the Holy Spirit to do what he was sent to do in us. The Holy Spirit is the VIP. 
He is the very important person in our lives. He is the key element to functioning and operating and experiencing the supernatural. Do you agree with that? Because you see, the, the supernatural life is a Holy Spirit empowered life. Uh, go to Exodus chapter 31. In Exodus chapter 31, beginning in verse 1, at this time God was, was getting ready to build the tabernacle and all of the furnishings. And in verse 1 he says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Look at verse 3. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. To do what? Verse 4. To design artistic works, to work in gold, to work in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Amen. This was just one man. Understand that this was a man who was called by name to fulfill an assignment. But this assignment is not something that can be done supernat- I mean naturally, but supernaturally. Because he gave him his spirit. God had given him a supernatural element into his life so that he can operate and function at a higher level than normal. When you and I became born again, we received a supernatural element in our lives so that we can walk, live, and experience a higher level than normal. That is the Holy Spirit. And when you and I, when we are filled with the Spirit of God, and we, when we yield to the Spirit of God, He will come in and enhance, enable, inspire, intensify, increase, and even improve the quality of our lives, our work, our ministry, in every area of our lives. That's what the Spirit of God does. He is that extra added element that God gives us so that we can function and operate in a higher level that is beyond normal. This is what God does. This is who we are as believers. So we have no excuse not to experience the supernatural because we're in a position to, to experience it every day. And if we walk by faith, obey God's word, and yield to the Spirit of God, we're going to live a life that is far above normal every day of our lives. Come on now. When God calls your name, I'll close with this. When God calls your name, and he gives you an assignment. Some of you may say, well, you know, whatever assignment God gives you, it may appear to be difficult. It may appear to be challenging. You may even think that God made a mistake when he called your name. You may even think that God may have mistaken you for somebody else. But let me just say this. God doesn't make any mistakes. And when he calls your name, he knows what he's doing. And more importantly, he also knows that you can't do it without him. 
That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 14 where he says, And greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. But in two verses later he says, But I'll pray to the Father that he'll send you another helper. Because he knows that there is no way that you and I can do greater works without his help. So listen, you and I are in a position to walk at a higher level. We have in a position to walk in the supernatural and experience it every day of our lives. And I've just showed it to you from the scriptures. And God does not lie. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, for revealing your will tonight, uh, this morning. Father God, how we are supernatural beings that you've raised up to live a life higher than normal, way above normality, Father God, and into a place of supernatural. And Father, we thank you, Lord, as we receive it. And Lord, today will be a day of supernatural turnaround. Today will be the day that we walk above and beyond the normal. And Lord, we thank you that with the help of the Holy Ghost that lives within us, to enable us, to entreat us, to enhance us, to intensify us, to improve our lives, the quality of our lives, the quality of our work and our ministry. Father, we thank you and we give you glory and honor and praise. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen.